welcome to where the furniture isn't always the best, but them views, they are amazing. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the 13th floor where the furniture isn't always the best, but the views are amazing. I'm your moderator, Pete Jones, and Carol gets me every time with that smile, but I'm not going to crack up today. Faison, welcome back, man. What's going on, sir? Uh, good, man. Everything is as well. Just, you know, living here with my uh, co-worker slash wife slash uh, business partner, and uh, we haven't killed each other yet, so it's been good. We oh, had a good man, time. We, we got to have a podcast on that, man. We, uh, <laughs> we can definitely relate on that whole situation. DJ, what's going on, bro? Brunson Holly favorite, bro. Brunson Holly favorite. There it is. Haven't heard that in some time. Sir Fresh with the Wakanda Forever in the background. What's going on, brother? You know, blessed and highly melanated. We out here, good skin and all, you know, um, in the quarantine, we got this uh, self-cut system going on. So we trying not to stay scruffy, uh, puffy or whatever puffy said he was. We out here, man. Good weeks, quarantined up, baby. I've been doing this for years. Can't nobody stop it. You see this guy? The only person on the podcast with a fresh cut. Look at it. Shining. Shine on, man. Shine on. We out here. Coach, Coach K, what you got going on, brother? What's happening? Uh, since everybody blessed, I'm blessed and libationated. Mm. <laughs> I'll drink that. What are we sipping on tonight? Man, you know what? I, I am so happy that you asked, man. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Just water. We are done with you. We are done trying to get you as a sponsor. We don't need you. You're out of here. <laughs> there it is. Ladies and gentlemen, we do need to celebrate our fellow alumni's Tequila Terramana by Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Hey, there we go. Hey. And Where Dwayne, Rocky, you are unnoticed. On notice right now, the 13th floor. We will be reaching out to you as your fellow alumni looking for sponsorship. So you know what it is. You, you know what it smell is. Smell what the 13th floor is cooking. Yes, sir. Can I get what a people's eyebrow? Can I get a people's eyebrow? Uh, Fresh, go ahead. Hit that. <laughs> <laughs> Coach K, we're sticking with you, man, to introduce our lovely guest this evening, man. She was on live with, uh, with Carol a couple of days ago. She decided to continue that conversation with us here on the 13th floor. So without any further ado, Coach K, go on and take it away. Man, look, so look, let me tell you what happened, man. So I, I had a live that I thought was dope, and then... Uh, this young lady said, you know, hey, you said something on there. I might be able to help out. So I had another live and my live turned out to be a joke because this young lady, all of a sudden the live blew up. It's probably the most views out of all the lives I've done. Um, and it, it was just so fire um, that people just continued to share. It. And even after it was gone, people were asking me for it and it was too late. <laughs> it's gone. Right. So let me tell y'all about who we have on the podcast because the people demanded and requested, we want more, we want more. So we said, we're going to show up and we're going to give you more. So ladies and gentlemen, we have the pleasure of having a Fortune 250s company best to work for for 12 years uh, with CSX. For those of you, you know, you remember the song, I've been working on the railroad. She doesn't work on the railroad, but she works for the railroad, CSX. Uh, she is an HR uh, talent management and diversity professional. Um, she is a certified 
group fitness and cycle instructor, not to be confused with a uh, spin instructor, cycling instructor. Uh, she's also an entrepreneur. She runs a company called the World of HR. Um, and somehow, after all of that, she still finds time to be a great mom of uh, a, a young man. And when I say he is a man, he is a man. Like, that's, that's whoa. I don't want to, I don't want to feed him. Um, and she's also a member of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please golf clap for Sabrina. <laughs> Caitlin Joziel. I'm out here giving out people's government, middle name. My whole government name. No, whole government good. name. But uh, yeah, Caitlin Joziel. Caitlin, welcome to the 13th floor. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, my bad. And also fellow Hurricane. Oh, well, yeah. First so and foremost. Right. <laughs> years of my life. Took years of my life. But thank you, gentlemen, for having me. First and foremost, I truly appreciate the opportunity to speak on your platform and to share my knowledge and my skill set. And um, I just hope that, you know, that I give the people some answers to questions that they have and I'm able to debunk some myths that they have and just share knowledge. Absolutely. Back to you, Brett. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Carol. Thank you, Carol. So, Caitlin, man, how, um, in dealing with this coronavirus pandemic, how have you been impacted thus far? Can you hear me? I can't hear. Hello? Can you hear me? <laughs> Y'all know I'm technically um, challenged. Can you hear me? Now I can hear you. All right. Is that better? Yeah. Welcome back. There you go. Thanks. I don't know what happened, but <laughs> I'm technically challenged. I know how to use systems, and that's about it. No problem. No problem. No, I was just asking, with this coronavirus um, pandemic going on in the world of HR, what, how, are you, how have you been mainly or majorly impacted? So, me, myself, personally? Yes, personally. Oof. In a lot of ways. So let's let's do my side hustle for a minute. So majorly impacted in the sense that the studio that I teach group fitness and cycle has closed down. So unfortunately, I am now unable to teach my cycle classes. But as recent as last week, I started teaching virtual classes. So we're on there virtually, just me by myself <laughs> and a camera. <laughs> it's very weird, but it's, you know, it's a new normal. As far as work, work has been a challenge, not the work remote part, because I was already working remote um, a couple of days a week, but my job is strictly around diversity mainly. Mm -hmm. So everything that I do is people focused and people oriented and mm -hmm. um, service projects, um, company projects, webinar, webinars are, are a little bit different, but um, where we get together and do various types of lunch and learns and things of that nature. And of course, because of Corona, we had to basically cancel everything, every, each and every event that we had, whether it was painting a school, um, we our um, African-American council was gonna paint a school, our ABLE, which is those with disabilities, they were doing an art project our women's leadership was doing a um, panel discussion. All of those had to get canceled. So it's been a challenge for me personally with work, 
But uh, I'm just trying to think of creative ways to um, do things and to provide value back to the organization so that I can um, stay employed. Absolutely. I mean, it's a tremendous opportunity and we have to find those creative ways to maintain value, stay employed and uh, find solutions to keep people, you know, in good spirits working or even offering them the resources that they need to, you know, get through this this tough time, Um, especially with a lot of the experts out there saying that, you know, we're going to be looking at uh, probably close to 50 percent of companies in the U.S. laying people off, furloughing people. So there's just a lot of, you know, adversity to to deal with and some of that comes with uncertainty you know just knowing the difference between furloughs and layoffs and stuff you know how <clears throat> how to handle that situation so i guess that's one of the first things i would want to start with is you know how hold on hold on before we do that bro so let's 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 put some statistics out there because um as of yesterday um there was a cnbc uh article where they said that the the feds um have estimated that the coronavirus will cost 47 million jobs and send the unemployment rate up to 32%, right? And there are nearly 67 million Americans working in jobs that are at high risk for layoffs. That's mind blowing. Right, so dealing with those type of numbers, that staggering statistic, well, one more piece to that is that that'll be higher than when it was the um, Great Depression, that mm-hmm. it was, I think it was 26% back then. So understand that it'll be even higher than then. How do you combat that? How do you keep people calm in such a time of uncertainty, knowing that they will most likely or could be on the t- chopping block next? Right. I think the first Thing is to get people to accept it, right? So that's that's the first thing. Understand that some of these decisions are out of the control of the company. If the company is unable to bring in money into the organization, then they're unable to pay you. So that's the first, is not take it personal. This is not personal. It has nothing to do with you as the individual. This all has to do with economics and, um, and, and money. And then I would also say that, you know, this is the best time for individuals to look at all the other things they've ever wanted to do, right? All of the other opportunities that are available to them, whether it's going back to college to, con- to continue your education, maybe it's getting a certificate in something, maybe it's taking a development course that you've been interested in, maybe it's starting a business. You know, this is the perfect time for us to just take a break and just say, okay, what else is there out there that I really love to do, that I truly enjoy, and how do I now make that a focus while I still either one work and or two look for another career option. But let me go back to your furlough question, right? So um, myths, one of the things that I talked about earlier is understanding the difference between furlough, laid off, termination, RIF, which is reduction in force, all of those terminologies, right? Understanding what each terminology means for you as an individual when it happens to you. So the easiest one, terminated. That means you got fired, probably because of of a performance issue or something of that nature. Laid off means that the company does not or cannot make enough money to keep you employed. 
So this has nothing to do with your performance. This has no bearing on you as an employee. It just means the company does not have enough money in order to keep you or whoever employed. Furlough means at this time, the company may or may not have enough money to keep you employed. Typically furloughed employees will go back to work. You'll see that a lot in seasonal jobs and industries, but furloughed employees will go back to work. Reduction in workforce is exactly what it means. It's when a company scales down. So understanding what each one is, is important because that's how you will, that's where your benefits will then align, right? So if you're furloughed, it'll be harder for you to get unemployment benefits because in a furlough, the goal is you're going back to work in a week or two. So there's a time, a time lag in between each. Um, in a layoff, you can go immediately and get unemployment benefits. The day you get laid off, you can go and get unemployment benefits. So really understanding what each one is, is very helpful because it'll help you make a better decision for you and your family. And th that decision is like whether you got to take sick time or take pay leave off. But in a furlough situation, is the company still paying you for a certain amount of time after that? Or is it sometimes? Yeah, like some organizations will pay you. So if I furlough you, I may pay you two weeks out, right? I say, hey, listen, I don't think I, I'll have work. I don't have work right now. I think the work is going to come back. I'm going to pay you for these two weeks to basically hold you. That's their way of holding you saying, I'm going to try to give your job in two weeks, your job back in two weeks. Now, once that two week now comes, you have an option. You can either take um, your vacation time, your sick time, or you can go into furlough status. Once you go into furlough status, you can go work somewhere else. You can go work anywhere else until they recall. It's called being recalled until they recall you and you go back to work. Now, how does that work um, with the two different labor markets, I guess? So like the union versus non-union workers. Typically, you know, union workers, they have a little bit more protection, so to mm -hmm. speak, in this regard. So how does that work in, in both, yeah. both? So with the furlough, there's no differentiation at all um, with the furlough. As far as the union, the union's protection is more on the amount of hours they can work, how many hours they can work, who gets their job, who doesn't get their job. So it doesn't necessarily play into the furlough status. The union is more a way to protect the rights of the workers. But once an organization decides, like I'll give you a perfect example. You have an organization who might be union-based and say, for instance, they wanna close a plant because they want to take that plant and ship it overseas. They will close that plant, ship it overseas, and basically what they tell that union workforce now is that this job no longer exists here. This job is now somewhere else. That's why you can't work. We're not, we're not necessarily saying you cannot work or we're taking the job for you. We're saying we're taking the entire industry and moving it into another location. And that's where companies are, protect themselves from unions. But then in that case, though, they usually pay out the union employees. They give them six months, 10 months. It depends on what the agreement says. All the agreements are different. So based on whatever the agreement says, they'll get paid. I know people who have gotten paid up to 36 months their salary because their job, the union folks, because their job got abolished. Dang, they feed you all of this uh, information about how unions are bad when you're in these corporate companies. And it sounds like I need to be in some type of union. No, they're not bad. They're not bad at all. They're just different. They're just different. 
but um, unions, so you think about corp, right? Management, in management positions, you have other benefits like um, sometimes 401k company matches, pensions, mm -hmm. things of that mm -hmm. nature that unions may or may not have. So it's just different. We'll give and take on both sides. Mm -hmm. I got you. Go ahead, Art. I uh, wanted to, to jump in since we were talking about unemployment and kind of understand a question, uh, fact or myth. So I'll throw this at you now. Unemployment uh, comes from your social security or later retirement as you get older. So if you're applying now as a young person and so forth, it's going to come back to you on a back end. You're paying for that time you were unemployed. Fact or myth? Both. So the reason it's fact or myth is because it's two things. So okay, so what you're getting in the back end is not your unemployment, it's your social security. Mm -hmm. So we gotta separate those two. So mm -hmm. unemployment covers the cost of an employee if they are unable to work, right? So that's where unemployment comes in. You pay into social security to provide you funds once you enter retirement and or if you're disabled prior to your retirement. Mm -hmm. So those are, so yes, it's a fact and a fiction, but it's based on which way you're looking at it. Got it. So technically your unemployment, it's not an everlasting fund, but the fund pretty much there because someone's paying into it at some point in time, even if you're not unemployed. Well, yeah, because you can actually run out of unemployment. Like you yourself can run out of unemployment. There goes that fact. Okay. Yes, so All that right. is a fact. You can run out of unemployment benefits. Mm, cool. Easy. So transitioning from the unemployed to the person who may have been furloughed or laid off or whatever, and they're in this limbo status, you got all this extra free time on your hands to either create your own business or look for um, business or a job elsewhere. Mm -hmm. How, what is the best uh, practices for applying for a new job? Because I've heard, you know, gunshot it you know, apply for every position the company has versus only applying for one position and putting your best foot forward so you don't look desperate. You know, what are some of the best practices when we get out there and looking, looking for jobs? Well, the best practice I always tell people is to hire somebody such as myself to help you with that transition piece. <laughs> so that's the first. Find a career expert that can help you navigate all of these wonderful blue waters. But besides that, um, you know, the first is your resume right? Ensuring that your resume aligns with the job that you have, that not, the, I'm sorry, with the job that you're applying to. So I tell people all the time, I have a resume that's about 18 pages. I mean, I would absolutely never submit that, but my resume is 18 pages because it's basically everything I've ever done in my career from when I was at UM working uh, at Dadeland Mall and then also bartending on South Beach, you know what I mean? So it has like even that kind of information. And I'll tell you how that played such a great role for me. When I wanted to buy my house back in 2009, 2010, I was like, ooh, how can I make some quick money legally? So I um, said, hey, I know how to bartend. I did it for almost five years. And what I did is I took the, that job description. And then I went back and looked at my resume from the things I used to do when I was bartending, even though it was years ago. And that's what I put on my resume when I applied for the bartending job and I got it. And they didn't need to know everything else I did. At that time I was at CSX, but they didn't need to know that because that was not relevant to them. 
that was not relevant in any way, shape or form to them. They need to know, do I, do I have the skill set to work in a service industry? And so those are the jobs that I put on there, the service industry jobs I've had in the past. Right. So, so thinking about that at this point, um, how do people just begin even that thought process of going back to what you said earlier of, Hey, this might be the time where that leap to that career that you would have never taken if this didn't happen, how do they start putting together those things that could be translatable to the career they really want or the position they want or that entrepreneurial endeavor that they want? Right. So on the entrepreneurial end, it'll be a little bit different because that is going to be so subjective based on the true essence of what you want to do, right? So Carol, you may currently be a manager, but you want to, I don't know, let's talk, think of something really strange. You want to open a Jimmy John's franchise. Like you want to be a restaurateur. Like that's something that has been passionate of yours. And now you you were recently, you know, laid off for whatever reason. And now that is going to be a whole different conversation of how do you transition into being a franchise owner than if you came to me and said, hey, Caitlin, I'm really looking to go into corporate America. I want a, a, one of the big 10 companies. Um, that's my focus. That's where I want to be. That's a different conversation because the way in which you apply obviously is different versus starting your own restaurant business. But the first thing I would say is when it comes to career transitions and changes is to really understand that role that you're trying to go after. And do you have the skill set, the education, and even a little bit of the experience to go there? Um, I think in our live, we talked about employers want that learning curve to be as short as possible. So you, no employer is going to hire you if they have to spend, they've already spent thousands to bring you on board. They don't want to spend thousands more to get you up to speed. They want you at a certain level so that you can at least start running and then they will train and develop you in those areas that you do lack to help develop you. Right. So I, I think um, one of the things that we talked about on the live that I think is, is relevant at, at this point, um, you talked about the importance of keywords, mm -hmm. right? And, and setting up yourself for that next job. So can, can you talk a little bit about that for maybe some of our audience that wasn't on our live? Absolutely. So when you apply for a job and a lot of times people say, oh man, I sent a hundred resumes and I got nothing back. And I tell them a lot of times the, um, the recruiters use what we call ATSs, applicant tracking systems. The applicant tracking system reads your resume before an actual person reads it. So if I'm a recruiter and I say, read the word sales, um, um, Microsoft Cloud and people management or something like that. If those three words don't populate on your resume, then the ATS kicks it out. I don't even see it. It just kicks it out. So I give people an example. If a thousand people apply for a job and I tell the ATS keywords or key, um, even key majors a lot of times, even key majors, that's why I tell people a lot of times, don't put your major on a resume because certain companies want certain majors, but key majors and then 500 people come. So the ATS read, read what I wanted, the criteria and shoots me back 500. Now I have 500 resumes, right? It's one position, 
So I'm like, okay, how can I narrow that down even more? How can I filter it down even more? So I may add more keywords or I may look at location or certain things to bring it down even more. At that point, I will probably take the first 20 to 30 that I see. And those are the resumes that I actually read. Like I actually put my eyes on this resume and I can review and decide if I want to move forward with that person with a phone screening. At first 20 or 30, just curious, is there a way that that's populated? Is it alphabetical order? Is it just the first 20 or 30 that was submitted online? And out of that 500 that was down, how is that 20 or 30 populated out of that 500? Would you say just take the first 20? It's whatever I decided to be. So I could say, give me the first 20 that lives. If, if, the, if our headquarters is in zip code 30029, I say, give me everybody in 30029. Or, or within a 15 mile radius of 30029. That might, that might just be it. It might be something as simple as that, but the recruiter gets to decide on that. Right. Or, or, or BJ, using the keywords, you could say, I'm gonna set it up on a percentage scale. Oh yeah, you can do that too. So if, if you hit this number on the percentage scale, then let, let me get that one. Yeah. It's called weighing. It's called weighing those questions. So you know how when you apply for a job, it asks you these questions sometimes, and you're like, these are arbitrary. Why? Well, it's to they. It's a scale. They weigh the question. They're like, do you have PMP? If you have PMP, then that gives you eighty percent. Versus if you don't have PMP, then it only gives you twenty-two percent or whatever the number they they right. decided to be. So yeah, it's a it's a weighted question, weighted scale. Right, and then one of the other things that they'll do is they will take your current existing workforce and look at that profile and where your average employee scores for the particular positions that you're looking for. And then now they'll ask questions that will assess the candidates or people that are applying um, to see where they fall. And they will show you where that candidate falls compared to your average employee that you have in that position. That is true. <laughs> I want to stick with the resume a little bit, Caitlin. Can you give me yes. a take on the professional resume writing services? Um, personally, I recommend them to all of my friends that are looking for new jobs. And the reason being, um, I've written my resume several times myself. I've sent it to that friend who has the A in grammar or just is great with words to, for them to polish it up and never quite got the same traction as I did when I sent it to the pro professionals and they just revamped the entire resume. They took it from 1995 and brought it into 2018, 2019 right. for me. So can you give us your take on that just a little bit? Yeah, it's an art form, right? It's, I, I look at it as art, just like the painting behind me or anything else. So with the resume writing, what, one of the things I try to encourage people to do is understand the role that they're applying for. It starts there because that's, that's the marker. The company wants to be able to say, hey, um, Carol, hey, Brian, hey, Art, hey, Ian, hey, Brett, you can do this job because you've proven on a piece of paper that you've done it in the past, right? Or at least you can do this job fairly easily or fairly well or fairly better than another candidate because you've proven based on your words and you because that's all that's all they have of you 
is that piece of paper that you can do this job. So I tell people, you know, you'll see somebody put a resume and it's administered this, administered this, administered this, and it'll, it'll be the same adjective all the way down. And so thinking creatively about what you do, right? One of the things I tell people, okay, so give me, I'm going to, I love this. Okay. This is my strong suit. So it could be anybody in the room. Give me a, just a bullet of what you do, like in your role, a quick description of what you do in your role. Okay. I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> uh, manage budgets, manage uh, people. Uh, okay. Stop right there. Stop right there. Manage budgets right so i would say something like and mind you i'm totally making this up because i don't even know your industry right now but i would say something like um manage 80 million dollars 80 million dollar budget encompassing purchasing um payroll and I would think of something else, but something to that effect. So mm. you just said manage budgets, which is great, but it's like, how do you manage budgets, right? Mm. How do you ensure that you stay under budget? So manage and maintain budget of $80 million for three years in the areas of purchasing materials and payroll. Mm -hmm. That's your bullet. Two completely different stories. Completely different story. Tells th that hiring manager and that recruiter, Oh, this person knows purchasing and materials? Oh, this person understands payroll. Oh, let me get some more now. Let me find out more about this individual. Uh, and so next step is when, when, once you've gotten that resume kind of all together and you get into the, to the interview, one of the biggest um, or uh, another big hurdle is that negotiation factor. You know, people got, we tell them all the time, you got to understand that just like you're inter interviewing for the position, uh, they are interviewing, you're interviewing them as well. Absolutely. So how do you negotiate to your benefit once you're in the room in that position? Hey, before, before we go to that. Yes. Before we go to that, um, in the resume, how often would you say, and look, I know you don't know every industry, every, every company, mm -hmm. how often would you say that the the keywords are tied into either their core values, their mission, or their competencies. Hundred. Hundred percent. So so it would be a value for people that are looking to join new companies. Okay, look up what their competent their management competencies are or whatever position you're going for. What are the competencies or core values um, that you can look to search for keywords and go from there? So Absolutely. I just wanted to drop that yeah. point before we got to. Yeah, no, you'll even see that within um, the job description itself. Usually I'll tell you the job description, education, and then I'll tell you a little bit about the company and then I'll tell you the company's mission, vision, core values within actually the job description. So it's absolutely paramount that you understand that and that you know the organization that you're applying for. Awesome, I just wanted to get that before we got the job and now started. Can I also career. add one more thing to the resume? Um, and do. I don't know if we talked about this on the live or, or if we talked about it when we were chatting one-on-one. -on -one. You know, I, I encourage people to be honest in your resume because a lot of times people will stretch the truth and stretch their um, skill set and it backfires. And 
especially if you're in a tight-knit small industry recruiters talk to each other they know each other and they'll we have stories of who applied for who and a lot of times we don't say names but the story will be so similar that you're like wait a minute um so be honest in your resume be honest in your skill set and um your education and all of that because um it, it it could hurt you and make it more difficult for you a lot of companies will will take you for what they see and they will develop you and groom you and grow you and so take take a chance with what you have what you know you have cool so going back to the negotiation factor um yes. how, how do you how do you best go about getting that dream job at the salary um that you you know want with the benefits that you're entitled to right so when clients come to me and they ask me to or they they want a consultation when it comes to negotiation um a couple of things i i look at i look at the job description and then i look at their resume and their skill set and i see how it aligns so if that person hits literally everything on that job description i tell them well the first thing you need to do is um go back and ask what is your salary range for the position right because a lot of companies have a salary range it's not just $50,000 that's it they know that that role we can pay between $50,000 and $75,000 they might have only offered you 62 so now you say well what's the salary range and based off the salary range who gets the highest what 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 does the person that gets the highest look like and if they say well the person who gets the highest has an mba you're like well i have an mba the person who gets the highest has 10 years experience well i have 10 years experience and so now you're leveraging it so that you can get that top salary but i also tell people salary is not the only thing that you can negotiate you can negotiate vacation you can negotiate signing bonus I worked with a client and I negotiated two things. I negotiated a wardrobe for her because she was going to a director level position and then I negotiated um them to pay um she's part of case so I negotiated that they pay her case dues and um commit to sending her to two conferences a year. And they accepted it. So you can negotiate just about anything and everything. It's just knowing that and doing your research and and asking in a professional manner which if you hire me I can help you do it in a professional manner same with the plug right there quick hey. question for you though. so one of the things that I noticed lately well over the past few years is LinkedIn is becoming more and more popular um for companies to do recruiting background checks things like that um and I we even talked about it I don't even know which episode it's been a while ago though but one of the things missing from a lot of LinkedIn profile is that salary range mm -hmm. right so when somebody's looking for these positions or looking for another maybe the possibility to move they like the position or whatever what should one do besides i i know you can research the average salary for that position that type of position mm -hmm. if i really like the what this company is saying in a position i know i can go in and and apply for and pretty much do the job because i because of commitment on my experience How does one start by even thinking about applying for it when there's no rank salary range there? What is the what should a person do in that case? Right. So a couple of things, you can go to, you know, um websites like Glassdoor to see what the salary range is. 
but one one thing is the actual job itself right so the job itself will lend to a particular salary range if you're in that industry if you're outside of that industry that's different but and carol could probably tell me this a sales manager in miami florida is going to make different money than a sales manager in nashville tennessee or corbin kentucky or anything like that so even though it's the same job just because it's in a different location the salary is going to fluctuate I say if a recruiter approaches you through LinkedIn or one of those mediums, the first thing that you need to ask them is how competitive is the salary? That's what you need to say. How competitive is the salary? If that's a strong recruiter, they will give you the range before you can, before you even really start a process or anything, they will give you a rate because now they know, okay, this person knows what they're talking about and they know how to navigate the system. How do you go about emphasizing value in all of that? So say you get, I don't know how many of your clients have come to you and, and salary and what they can gain is more the focus versus the value that they can bring from either their, I mean, to either the organization or whatever the entity may be. How, how, uh, may be. how much emphasis do you end up putting on value in that regard and not things like, or the tangible salary or, you know, vacation and such? Intrinsic value, I say, yeah. Right. It depends on the entire package, right? What, what is this package that you're receiving? Because the salary may not be exactly where you want it to be, but what if that company, what if that company matches your 401k dollar for dollar up to a certain percentage? That's money now that you may not get today, but it plays into your retirement and it's money that you'll get later on. That may be more valuable than the money, than an extra thousand dollars that you can ask for today. So it's really understanding what does that entire total package looks like uh, for your compensation and benefits and then determining, okay, where do I want more? Where do I want less? Uh, can I plug something real quick? I think Carol, we talked about this off um, offline, but I, I mentioned it because it pertains to black men more than anything. So you hear a lot of statistics that black men on average get paid less. And um, one of the reasons for that, because there are biases in the world and I'm not gonna say there are not because they are, but it's because black men, I think the statistics said they negotiate salary 12% of the time. So black men never negotiate their salary. Whatever is the offer, they're like, great, thank you. Where do I sign? And they accept versus white men who negotiate their salary almost 86% of the time they negotiate their salary. So a lot of that as well is the fact that just ask. You know, I tell people, whatever offer you get, I don't care what it is, ask for 5% more. Just see what they say. Like, ask That's for interesting, especially because most... Um, minorities especially when we're dealing with each other we negotiate as much as possible <laughs> and so right? it's, it's uh very interesting to hear that statistic of the fact that when it comes to employment that we are shy to go ahead and ask for our value yeah i think we get so excited um about you know the organization and the company especially if it's a high profile organization or high profile job you know you just want in you just want in the door and no, so no, no, no. once you want in the door, you're you like, excited okay, well. just about the fact that we got a job. Yeah. I'm about That's, to say it's, okay. it's more the, the, 
historical relevance of, you know, having employment, especially when it's outside of, I work at the barbershop or, you know, something local or, you know, it's, it's through family to have that ability to, yes, I work in a, a corporation. I'm here, I'm established, I'm not doing you something. like you know, you've arrived. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you, you feel, you see, there's a certain value that's assessed to knowing that you have broken the quote-unquote the quote unquote stereotype. Thank you. That's what I'm saying. Right, of just a lazy black male that, you know, you just live off of whatever your baby mama's doing hmm. or whatever, whatever. Well, I have a job, so there's a certain value that we've assessed to that and we need to break that stereotype, stop associating with the stereotype and get what you're actually worth. Right. Yeah. See, and that, that see, so that's a perspective that I wouldn't know because I'm not a black man, but, but also, you also think about it. We, we think about from the time we were in school until even now today, it, it is still kind of crazy to hear about the first generation of going to college or, or going to get that second, the master's degree or breaking into corporate America. We don't know these things that because nobody was ever there to teach us these things. Right. So there's very few that had maybe those mentors or uh, family figures that had already done this. So again, everybody else is like you. You you've arrived in that pat on the back from everybody else. You you have that sense of status, kind of right. You could sit up a little bit taller. You got I, I'm wearing a suit to work every day. I'm not going out. There. So it's a sense of arrival and and I kind of think it's almost a sense of complacency in the sense that. We don't know what to ask. We don't know that to ask for that five percent more, or that we can negotiate because we're scared of them saying, "Never mind, don't worry about it. We don't need you here anymore." Right. 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 I mean, and, and I tell people, don't ever be afraid of that fear because they chose you. So that alone it's, should it's be so hard to break that cycle. Though I remember being in those shoes, and that's that's one of the biggest fears of not just you know black males, but I mean people in general. You feel such a um hat in hand situation once you were finally given that offer right you feel like so oh well, i want to mess it up and i i you know it, it's it's such an honor for me to you know even be offered this position but you're a thousand percent correct that people need to start understanding and taking that stance of no they they offered it because you have the value you you have the the power in the sense of being able to fulfill something that is a void in their corporation that is going to help uplift them and so you need to be able to make sure you are getting your value and worth at all times. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, pro- that's probably a whole podcast in itself, to be honest with you. We've touched on it before. We had a little little session on that as well, too, in the past. Oh, okay. Should bring it back. But that, that statistic is staggering. I'm really glad that you brought it up because it, it puts it on front street for us. You know, building that confidence. I think having conversations like this, this podcast getting out, and us being able to support each other as black men with the help of our black women uh, to build that confidence to push forward and, and ask for, for what you're worth. I mean, I can just think about my last position. If I hadn't been, well, applying for my current position, if I hadn't been so financially frustrated and constrained in the previous position, uh, coupled with the support system that I had from pro fights and my lady and everything else that kind of pushed me into that position and tell them, yeah, you're, you're great. You know, you passed this PMP exam. You have all of this experience. Go ahead and ask for the max. All the only, only thing they can do is, is say no. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's unfortunate that more people don't have that kind of support system um, that you have, but that's the beauty of this platform, right? So to exactly. let people know that if you don't have it, then one, go out there and get it, or two, find it within yourself to go out there and ask. 
Exactly, exactly. Caitlin, definitely appreciate you for joining us here on the 13th floor tonight. Uh, I'm going to give you an opportunity to go ahead and throw your, your IG tag, your website, or whatever promotional material you got <laughs> out there for the world to get them on the world of HR. Thank you. Thank you. So again, my name is Caitlin Josil. You can find me on Instagram for anything HR related. And not when I say HR related, I'm talking about resumes, career building, LinkedIn profile um, assessments. So a lot of times individuals will want to do uh, personality assessments to gauge where they should be and career wise what their next move is. I do those as well. I'm also certified in a couple Myers Briggs and emotional intelligence. Are, are the two that I'm certified in, but anything can, um, HR related is you can find me at the world of HR on Instagram. I'm still working on my website. So the world of HR and then fitness related, you can find me on lifestyle of the fit and healthy lifestyle of the fit and healthy. You can find me there as well. And thank, thank you. I, I'm not quite sure if we're ending, but if we're not, you could just edit it and play back. So thank you very, very much for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. I would love to come back and talk about HR, to talk about fitness, to talk about life in America, especially the beautiful Black people that we are, and what does that mean for us, and um, whatever it is that your, um, your team wants to talk about. We a family, we're not a team. Whatever the family wants to talk about. Okay, we edit it out. Talk about whatever the family would like to talk about. No, we good. He ain't going to leave all of that, especially my gaps. He's going to have me yep. out like Joe Biden all that. Oh, uh, no. So, yeah, we wrapping up now, man. We got a couple more segments we got to hit. We got to go to Fresh with his Fresh Ovation for the week. We got to hit okay. Art for the for the corner. And you're welcome to stick around for, for, for the, both of those. And then Carol's going to wrap us up and give us a strong, strong message for the people. Hopefully he's not too... uh too inebriated with the uh hey bro the... whoa 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 slow down any <laughs> hey. Hey. you don't he know said... when it comes to drinking relax that's tequila hidden <laughs> the rock right. tequila hidden tequila right you don't know me like that anytime next time that we're in the same place if you want to go shot for shot we can do so iron man starts i'm good man <laughs> i'm good man uh yeah but um, yeah, so Fresh Ovation up next, sir. What you got, man? You know what time it is. Um, it is time for Fresh Ovation. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to let y'all know I'm also going to bring in a new segment. We're going to call it Tidbit Adams, but we're going to get into that in a second. So, it's Fre Adams. yes, Fresh Ovation for this week. I got um, questions. The challenges of my life will not trip me up. I am committed to my goals and my success. Today, I affirm dedication to overcome life's challenges. I think it's especially relevant right now. Everybody's dealing with this quarantine situation. Um, don't allow that to trip you up from your focus and from accomplishing the things that you want to. Take this time to realize that is the, it is an exhale and a time to breathe and to go ahead and calculate your next steps forward. A lot of you guys need to take this opportunity, just like Caitlin said, to go ahead, whether it's a certification. It may not be taking an entrepreneurial endeavor, but it might just be around, you know, um, increasing the amount of knowledge you have in your field, getting that certification, taking that course, whatever it may be, go ahead and take that time now. We have weeks, if not months, to go ahead and accomplish things that we've waited a lifetime to do. Make sure to do it now. Next segment, Timbit Adams. We are here. We are live. I'm going to bring you a tidbit every week of just, you know, some random good information. My um, tidbit for this week, hold on, I got to get back in the, get back in the system. <laughs> But um, 
my tidbit for this week is I found a very dope website to help you pass time. <clears throat> Even though I'm an advocate of entrepreneurial entrepreneurialism, I'm also an advocate of making sure you find a way to um, enjoy your downtime and and be uh, you know motivated, enjoy yourself, all that good stuff. So with that, I found a dope website. It is archive.org backslash details backslash console living room. Again, archive.org sure backslash details backslash console living room. I'm going to go ahead and throw that bad boy right there. Y'all can go ahead and see it. But on this website, you can go there right now. And there is every console up to, I believe, like the PS2 is on there with all the video games that are on that console. And you can play them live and direct online for free. No issues, no worries. Go back to your childhood. Enjoy yourself. Tidbit Adams. Yeah, it's preservation. It's all that. <laughs> Go to art. And you're doing this on the uh, on the computer? That is a computer. That's what the website is on a computer. And so you could, you know, flip it around. Like, see it on your phone. I'm not even sure. You might be able to play it on your phone. I haven't got that advanced. Um, in all honesty, I just got Spider-Man for the PS4 to pass my time. But, you know, we are talking about archives.org backslash details backslash um, console living room. Enjoy that. Tidbit out. I'll throw that at me and see what she do with it. All right, we're coming your way, sir. What's happening? Uh, I have two point two part for today. Um, one, for those who have been furloughed, I have friends who've been furloughed, and I want to send messages out to all of them and all those across the country um, that are listening to this process. Um, don't think that it was you that caused the furlough. Like Caitlin said earlier, it was a business decision and you can't take that personally what you did, but you can reflect on that time and say, how can I come back better, stronger here or somewhere else? So if there's two weeks of work, like Fresh has said, go online, find out what you want to do. You want to go to con.org, whatever maybe pick your thing, learn something new, come back with a more refreshed view on um, your position so they can use that to jump to the next position or jump to the next level or another company. So don't just accept and sadden yourself and kind of watch Netflix and just soccer and somber down to nothing. Really go in there and actually understand that it wasn't you, it's not personal, it's just the business mindset of the company you're in at the time. So that's for those who work for a road. Now, those who are currently still employed, you pass around one. There's still more coming. Don't take it for advantage. Don't think that, oh, this is gonna be okay. Um, Cut your unnecessary spending. Think about how you can prepare your family and yourself for that next step if you make a cut. Right now, we're all on making the ban, and you're, you just made the first cut to the next round. So we got to make sure you take care of yourself, plan and prepare and go forward. Don't be a hoarder, but also don't overly spend or do things that will take you out of your comfortability zone in case something did go wrong with yourself, your wife, your family, whoever it may be. I'm glad you said that, man, because that hey, brings I you back wanna, to a point. I, I won't cut you off, but I just want to say great analogy with the making the band. Uh, I just want to, you know, and shouts out to Scruffy Puffy right now. You know, making the band is coming back. Go ahead, Brett. My bad. Um, the resources uh, for the people that were fur furloughed or laid off or even if you're a small business owner, man, um, this $2 trillion stimulus bill, um, there is a lot of resources, uh, benefits, and things. Everything is explained in this bill. Um, a couple of websites that Caitlin uh, actually shared with us earlier as we were coming up with our uh, topics of discussion, one being kff.org. They have a summary of all of the key provisions in that Family fir Families First Act. Uh, so if you're wondering whether or not you qualify for um, 
what you call it, unemployment or any of these leaves or whatever to make sure you got some income coming in, you can definitely check it out at kff.org. Also, the Visual uh, Capitalist, they have uh, what they call the anatomy of the whole $2 trillion bill that outlines all of the money, where it's going and how it can most uh, benefit you. Uh, so the resources are there, your state, uh, your local governments, the labor department websites, hit them up, make sure you get your unemployment claim in um, ASAP at least so you can uh, keep your lights on and keep your, keep the money funneling in until we get past this, uh, this rough time. Coach K, what you got for the people? Um, what I got for the people, I'm still thinking about it, but what I got for you is you need to tell the, all the people where they can catch this podcast at. iTunes. Heard that, Caitlin? iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, YouTube, Vimeo, Spotify, and anywhere else you're listening to your podcast or viewing your podcast, get with us at 13th Floor, please, on all your social media platforms. We're going to be blasting this one out this week. Make sure you get to listening early and uh, often. You want me to take it now? I'm ready for you. All right, so... I'm going to give y'all a, 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 a Jermaine Jackson quote in reference to this job situation. A man said, don't take it personal. Take the bitter with the sweet. And right now, it might not feel that great what has happened to you, but you can turn it into a sweet opportunity as it was referred to earlier but I'm going to go back now and say, Art said for some of you that were furloughed or laid off that it wasn't your fault. For some of y'all, it is your fault. It just is. Because what you promised and said that you were gonna do, you didn't do. And it just so happened that they used this opportunity to make that right. Let me say that That's again. You, you made a promise during your interview. And for some of you, you came into your interview and said that you were a certain person and portrayed yourself to be something that you were not. And then you turned around later and you started pointing the finger at everybody else saying that they weren't supporting you and they weren't doing for you what they said they were going to do. But the problem is the person they made that promise to never showed up after the interview. So some of you, you get on there, you put on your best blouse and, and dress and your hair is done, your nails are done, not saying that has anything to do with whether or not you should have the job. Some of you, you know, you borrowed somebody's suit and you, it just came fresh from the cleaners and you never came back to work dressed looking appropriately for the rest of your time that you were there. And look, I'm not saying that there's something wrong with that, but what I am saying is, look, if you know that you don't iron your clothes, you don't normally speak the Queen's English, don't come in there in the interview and do that and we hire you off of that, right? And right now I'm employed and look, like Art said, I could not be employed come two weeks from now. But I tell you what, I'm not going to show up to anyone's interview portraying somebody that I'm not and getting something that I'm not entitled to based on something that there is no way that I can keep that up for an extended period of time, right? I don't care what HR professional you call, they're not going to be able to save you if you do not perform to the level of the person that you said that you could. You're going to get yourself into some situations, some performance management, some correctives, some type of corrective behavior will happen. So look, take this opportunity 
one, before you even apply for something else, who are you and who are you going to portray in the opportunity that you seek next, right? Because if you go out there and you go get the wrong thing, guess what? You're not going to feel any more satisfied than you were in the last job or the job before that. And if you really want something that's going to last for, the, for a long time, and if we get into another situation like this where they really see the value of you, then you got to portray that person that you really are and get the job that is for you, not the job that was for somebody else or that character that you made up. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you all for listening here with us on the 13th floor where the furniture isn't always the best, but the views are amazing. Thank you, Caitlin. Welcome to where the furniture isn't always the best, but the views, they are amazing. Amazing.